Sean, host of the Sensibly Cynical Podcast. On today's episode, I will be joined by Josh from the Still Loading Podcast. I am so excited to bring him back on Sensibly Cynical. Today's topic will be underrated video games. He sent me a list a while back, a list of five games to be exact, from all different consoles, okay? So... It could be a game from PlayStation 3 all the way to NES. So I'm excited for this. Um, He knows so much about video games that it's kind of unreal. But it is time for my interview with Josh from the Still Loading Podcast. All right, everybody. With me on the line from the Still Loading Podcast, Josh, what's up, man? Hey, Sean, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, bro. How's everything going over there? Uh, everything's good. Um, I'm just tired. I was telling you off my guy. I just became a dad a couple months ago, so I'm. Uh, that's the reason why we're recording so late is because my daughter goes to sleep uh, about a half an hour ago, and so this is the only time I get to myself. So it's either recording podcasts or editing podcasts, 9 p.m. or later every weeknight. Oh, actually, pretty much every night. <laughs> well, yeah, anything for you, Josh. Anything for you. <laughs> So, we're going to talk about underrated video games tonight. So, Josh, why don't you tell the audience the five games that we're going to talk about? Sean, you asked me to pick out five of some of my favorite underrated games. Also, you can consider them hidden gems, if you will. Uh, The five that I I sent to you for us to talk about are all generations. We have Kabuki Quantum Fighter for the old school original Nintendo. We have The World Is Not Enough for the Nintendo 64. We have Metal Arms Glitch in the System for GameCube, Xbox, and PS2. We have the Unfinished Swan for PS3, PS Vita. Actually, wow, it's for a lot of shit. And PS3, PS4, PS Vita, and PC. And then Sunset Overdrive for Xbox One and PC. Alright, so we're going to go from oldest to newest. So that would be, obviously, <laughs> Kabuki, Quantum <laughs> Fighter. Talk about that game. That was 1990, <laughs> so it was a 2D Obviously, it was 2D, so what? There was like, what was it, side-scrolling, you know? It's a side-scrolling platformer. Uh, It's a ridiculous premise. You play uh, the Persona. You adopt the Persona. I'm reading this straight off of Wikipedia just because it's so concise on there, man. You adopt the Persona of 25-year-old Colonel Scott O'Connor, a military agent who has transferred his brain into raw binary code in order to combat a rogue program in the main defense computer. But O'Connor's en- when O'Connor enters the system, his body forms the self-image of his ancestor, who was a kabuki actor. <laughs> in the year 2056, a virus has appeared in the main defense computer system of planet Earth and blah. So basically, you play as Scott O'Connor, and you have to defeat this computer virus uh, from Earth's defense computer mainframe, whatever, what have you. Mm. And the reason I picked this game is, one, not a lot of people know about it. It's a game that, one, immediately stands out to Kabuki Quantum Fighter. Like, who's ever really heard of that, you know? <laughs> um, it was published by Hal... Uh, America, which how are the same people who ended up doing Super Smash Brothers and the Kirby games? Yeah. So this just happened a little bit a couple of years before, but 
the gameplay, you the weapons that you get to use, you can, there's some ranged weapons, but you also whip your hair almost like a sword. So he'll really? do a like headbang, and he'll whip his hair to destroy the enemies. And so he'll just headbang, he'll headbang his way through the enemies. There's a boss at, indiv- at the end of each level, right? It's this level fighting game. You. It's a very st- st- stereotypical, um, a very standard uh, type standard fare of 2D platformers. The graphics for the NES are beautiful. Like, I know some people think, how can 2D look good? NES 2D, if done right, looks phenomenal. Like, Shovel Knight, if you've ever played that, that's a newer game. That's not under. That's not underrated. That's a super popular game. What makes this game underrated, do you think? Not a lot of people know about it. And so, also, I feel like the title alone underrates it to people. Because who in their right mind would be, like, imagine you're a kid in 1990. Right, 1991 is when it came to North America. Yeah, I was four. I was four. <laughs> and you're like, all right, I want to go buy a new video game. And you see a game called Kabuki Quantified, or something you probably can't even fucking pronounce. And all you see is a picture of a dude in with red hair, and there's like a random picture. Like, if you look at the box for this, there's like a dog jumping out of a picture at the dude with red hair. I, I actually like the artwork, but it, it, it probably, most kids in 1991 would probably not be interested in this so i feel like the name itself makes it underrated mm. those who do play it as from what i can tell seem to like it it's a really fun like the, the platforming the controls are super tight the platforming mechanics there's like moments where like you, there'll be platforms that you he, that your guy will jump and grab on with his hands and right. somersault up above the platform to land on top of it there's some really fun almost like like i can't really describe it it's a, it's a jumping mechanic where you loop up and around to go on top of a platform so it's a really fun game um it was like i said it was published by hal america which people should know from other stuff and it's just it's super fun uh yeah there's a boss room at the end of each level o'connor uses his long hair and chip based weaponry to attack (laughs) enemies inside the computer the chip weaponry includes an energy gun a fusion gun quantum bombs and a remote controlled bolt yeah so it's like a so it's like a virus right they're trying is they really play fast and loose with the idea of a computer virus yeah it's pretty much really tech based looking world like wires (laughs) and shit everywhere and then all the all the enemies are just looking things like you'll fight dogs and stuff even though you're in a computer it's kind of like tron but not but it's not tron yeah i was too busy playing i was too busy playing you know mario and shit man to play kabuki <laughs> well i the only reason i even heard about this is from another podcast called retronauts and uh fantastic podcast but they've talked about it. i was like kabuki quantum fighter i need it and i was at a game store i actually have a copy like i can mm. i could show you my kabuki quantum fighter cartridge right now I found it at a game store. I was like, oh, this is what they talk about a retronaut. Let's give it a shot. And hey, I love man, it. When you, I think it's super fun. When you sent me the list this week, I was looking at that. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, exactly. like, what's this guy it's talking about, man? It's one of my favorites, even though I've never beat it. I've gotten pretty far. Uh, some friends and I, we, before COVID happened, we would do retro game nights where we would play. Oh, that's cool. Um, old games? Oh, yeah. We would bring old school consoles together. And some of us, my, my one friend has a really fancy upscaler so that way when you play your retro console on an HDTV it doesn't look like shit excuse me and it also doesn't play like shit which is super handy I, that, that's a tangent for another day that's a lot of like <laughs> nerdy stuff that I don't know if you'd be interested in but we played it the one retro game night and we got pretty far we got it we got like four or five levels in we just it gets super fucking tough it's a tough game but it's a lot of fun I definitely 
definitely recommend checking. I mean, all of these I recommend checking out. All right. So, anything else you want to talk about this before we move on to the next one on our list? No, I'm good whenever you are, man. All right. So the next one was 2000. Was this a James Bond first-person shooter? Yes. <laughs> By the way, let's say the title of the game, World is Not Enough, right? The World is Not Enough, based off the Pierce Brosnan. The reason why this is an underrated game is because everyone always talks about GoldenEye and not this one. The only reason I even know this one, I I like this one more, is because part of it is nostalgia, because it was the first one I played. I played GoldenEye after this. Mm -hmm. Um, But compared to GoldenEye, World is Not Enough actually had computer bots. Like, you could play. Right. It wasn't just... Like, if you were playing GoldenEye, you are pretty much fucked unless you had three other friends to play with you. <laughs> with this one, you could play by yourself and play and put in computer bots and set their difficulty. And then you could run around and, like, there's a lot of different variety with all the different game modes. Um, creative liberties with the story of the movie and added some levels that don't, don't quite make sense. But they did that in GoldenEye, too. Uh, but I, I just feel like it doesn't get enough credit. Because it just lives in GoldenEye's shadow, and it's surprisingly well done considering it wasn't developed by Rare, who made GoldenEye and Perfect Dark for the N64. It's developed by Eurocom, which I don't know much about them, but it controls like Gold- GoldenEye, so like people who like GoldenEye's controls will like these. And multiplayer, I honestly feel like it's slightly better, only because it had more options than GoldenEye. Now, admittedly, GoldenEye came out a couple of years before, so they learned from that. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's a really fucking good game, and also it's a James Bond game. James Bond games are also. Awesome. <laughs> I, I don't know if you heard, dude. The people who the company who made the new Hit, the Hitman games, uh, yeah. IO Interactive, they're making a new James Bond game, and like there's not even a release year like set, so we have no idea when it's coming out. But they announced it earlier this year. They're making a James Bond game, and I can't fucking wait. It's gonna be so good. Yeah, I like this. I like this uh, pick here because I remember, you know, everyone. I remember playing Goldeneye, and everyone was huge on. I played that shit, you know. You know when I, I'm, I'm like the most novice video game player, maybe of all time. Now, if now if I've played a game, that that means it made it. I like this pick here because you're right. Most people, like myself, only heard of Goldeneye. This is a good pick. Was this like a really hard game to play? It was. I mean, from what I remember, it wasn't that hard. Uh, what I did like that was different from. Goldeneye, because that's what it's, it's always going to be compared to Goldeneye. So let's be real. This game had gadgets where, like, you. So for example, your watch. You always had your watch on you. Your watch could either shoot a, a like an electric, excuse me, an electric stunner, or it could shoot like a laser beam, or it could shoot a grappling hook, and you could hook into certain areas and climb. And then like a rope would you drop down and you climb up. But it was fun because what you could do is if you wanted to play the game without killing anyone, you could technically do that. You could use the stun gun. You could use like the um, the electric stunner and you just keep stunning the enemy and they're just standing still and you just walk up and punch them in the face and they're down. <laughs> it's great. Uh, and this game had stealth levels. I vividly remember there's one where you have to sneak out of a villa in the middle of the night and you have to like get specific intel from different offices around the villa grounds and have to sneak into a car and get into a trunk and that's how the level ends but i remember being really hooked on the game at that point because i hadn't played any stealth games to that point and goldeneye didn't really have much stealth once again not knocking goldeneye goldeneye is infinitely more important than this game because it was the first it was the first first person shooter that worked on a home console and Mm. did multiplayer on a home console for fps's but 
I love this game. It's super fun. It feels like a slightly more refined version of GoldenEye, which is why I like it more, but I honestly have to go back in and really replay the whole thing to give you a full like breakdown like comparing the two. Yeah, so that's when that whole thing was that's when that was like major pop majorly popular, that whole that whole vibe there, you know? I think the next game on our list is kinda weird. Metal Arms Glitch. Was that a robot? Glitch is a robot? Yep, Glitch is you play as Glitch. So this game is super underrated because no one fucking knows about it, but it was it sucks too because Blizzard bought up the company that developed it, so so we're never gonna see it. We're never going to see this game come back and end, or get re-released in any way. Plus, Blizzard's just this thing that exists. But um, Metal Arms is, it takes place in the fictional universe. You play as a robot named Glitch. He gets he's found in a scrapyard because the whole planet is like a scrapyard, right? Mm-hmm. So he's found in one of the many scrapyards on the planet, and he gets woken up and he finds himself in the middle of this civil war between the the droids and the millbots. Um, the droids had a guy, and basically the, the leader of the Millbots, the, they're the evil ones, uh, that is General Corrosive, and the droids are the good guys, and he's just find himself in the middle. So you're trying to help the droids, obviously, because they're the good guys, and you have to take down General, the evil General Corrosive and whatnot. So the reason why this game's actually really good is a third-person shooter. It's funny as hell. Like, one of the funniest games I've ever played. They drop so many F-bombs, but they bleep it out just to see if they can get away with it. Uh, it's, it's funny as hell. Like, it's definitely <laughs> worth checking out. Basically, you play as Glitch, like I said, and what's f- cool about it is that you have a... There's a shitload of different weapons, and then you can upgrade those weapons, but the way it works is that since he's a robot, he literally just pulls off the weapon from his arm and sticks it in his backpack, and pulls mm. out another weapon and attaches it to his arm again. <laughs> like, it's almost like Mega Man. Yeah. You, you get, like, rocket launchers, you get sniper rifles, you get machine guns. They're all called different things because it's, like, like name like a spew is a machine gun, but they call it a spew. You know, shit like that. Things that are that exist in their world, in the droids' world, or whatever. But what's funny about it is like when you fight the millbots, they actually program like location specific damage. So let's say you want to be a dick and you shoot a millbot in the arm of a whole bunch, you can blow off his arm. It'll just be running around without an arm. Where you can shoot off both arms and the robot will be just running around with just the chest and the legs and just kind of staring at you. <laughs> The only thing they can really do is they can kick you. Sometimes they will hurt you by kicking you. Sometimes you can blow off everything except the legs, and you just see a pair of legs just running around the level. Yeah. And and you can then the legs will try to kick you, or you can not you know shoot the arm off. You can just fuck it up a little bit, and now it can't control it anymore. So its arms going all wonky, right? So it, if say the guy has a rocket launcher. He can't control where he's firing. He's literally just staring at you <laughs> yeah. for the place. And sometimes, since he can't control it, he'll shoot it right into his feet and blow himself up. Really? Yeah, there's tons of different weapons. You actually get uh, you get a gadget later on called a control tether where you can shoot it into enemy robots and take over them. And you can control them up to a certain distance away from where you from where your body is. Right. So you literally just kind of teleport yourself into the enemy, and you can control them. You can go stealth for a little bit and sneak behind enemy lines, and they don't bother you until you start shooting them. Uh, it's a really good game. It's funny as hell. It does not get nearly the credit it deserves. And there's multiplayer, which is actually pretty fun. Uh, it still looks pretty decent for a PlayStation 2 era game. It doesn't look atrocious. It's really good, and I definitely recommend anyone giving it a shot. It's, it's so fucking good. I cannot recommend it enough. It's 
I could gush about it for hours. And I've, I've done a full episode of my podcast on it. Uh, if you, It's an older one. It's a couple of years old now, but I did a full <laughs> episode on this game because I love it so much. It's so good. What's next? Unfinished Swan? What the fuck's that about? Unfinished Swan 2014 for the Xbox One and PC. Yes. So this also came with what? You could get seven people. What's this Chaos Squad? What's that about? Basically, from what I understand, though, what Chaos Squad was, was that it was basically 
um, like you went up to, I guess, apparently seven players. You would get a series of missions where you, it was almost like defend the castle type of thing. Like you're given an area to defend and then you would have to fight. It was like horde mode. You were just fighting waves and waves and waves of enemies and you had to survive. This game was just an action shooter, Sunset Overdrive? It kind of is. It's almost like what if Ratchet and Clank became M-rated? Because that's what this game is. It's like all the senses, the sense of humor is like really dirty. Lots of sex jokes, lots of like mean jokes at other people's expense. It's funny. It's really funny. Um, but basically the premise is there's an energy drink that people started drinking and it turned them into zombies. <laughs> so you have to fight them all off. And all your weapons are just shit that you find around. So like you have a, you get a record player that just launches records and it decapitates motherfuckers. <laughs> it, just, it, it does stuff like that. You get like, one of my favorites was you would get like a sprinkler and put a teddy bear on it and it would spray acid everywhere and just kind of dance around and it would just melt the zombies in front of you because it was acid. Uh, I might actually, just so people can get an idea of it, I'll look up the weapons list real quick. And I won't read all of it because that, that might take a little bit, but um, it's a really fun game and it unfortunately did not get its due because it like it was one of the Xbox One's launch games and it was really good. It was really fucking good. But it Xbox One barely sold uh, in comparison to the PS4. So one of the weapons is you get Captain Ahab, which is just a harpoon gun that you just launch a piece. Captain Ahab. <laughs> you good. get dirty a dirty Harry, which is just a big revolver pistol. Mm. You get a, a thing called Field the Burn, not not burning burn, but like actual burn. It was a, a flamethrower, short-range flamethrower. What do you think made it underrated in your eyes, like, this game? I honestly think it just didn't get a lot of press because... So this was a launch game for the Xbox One, and the Xbox One had one of the... I'm not going to say it was a bad launch in terms of numbers, but in terms of public favor, Xbox had a really bad launch. Because in 2013, when this console came out, it was late 2013 when PS4 and Xbox One came out, there was a big stink about always being online. So Microsoft basically was going to force players, like when you bought an Xbox One, you were going to get an Xbox Connect with it. And so, you know, the motion the, the, the motion sensor, right. you know, it, had, you, it would come with a Connect and it, you always had to be online. And you would, it was, the console was always listening. So you could say Xbox on <laughs> yeah. and turn on. Now, the funny thing is, is that everyone just adopted Alexas and, you know, like Amazon Dots and Echoes just like a couple of years later. So they like, unfortunately, Microsoft is just ahead of the curve and it bit them in the ass because everyone was paranoid about it, which I, I don't like those either. But it's weird how no one gives a shit now. But back then, everyone was like, oh, my God, it listens to you to say Xbox on. What else is it going to listen to me say? <laughs> but now we put that shit in our home all the time. But then also, it was always going to be online. It also would not allow you, like, if you you had a game, right, and you wanted your friend to check out the game and try it, even if you gave them the disc, it wouldn't work. It was linked to your account. So there's a lot of shit. Like, that is, like, legit awful. Like, they should, that was a really dumb fucking idea. It was game publishers being greedy. But, um, so Sony capitalized on this and said, like, they, they even made, like, advertisements of, like, this is how easy it is to share games on PlayStation. And it literally had two of the Sony execs just hand each other, like, one handed them a disc and said, here you go. And just to troll Microsoft. Really? It, yeah. So Microsoft really got hit hard by that marketing team and, like, by, by Sony, like, you know, just taking advantage of the bad publicity they received for all the different things the Xbox One was going to do. And it was just 
they took a lot of hits for it. And because of those hits, the console sold poorly, and this was a launch game. Since this was a launch game with a poorly received system, no one gave a shit. <laughs> yeah, wow. Well. I gave a shit because it was done by the, the developer of this is Insomniac Games, who does who did the new Spider-Man game, which is outrageously popular. They do the mm-hmm. Ratchet and Clank series, which is outrageously popular. They did the Spyro, the Dragon games on the PS1, outrageously popular. They did Resistance for the, on the, the Resistance series on the PS3, also super popular. Like Insomniac makes like high end like tier like top tier games like they're up there with Naughty Dog in terms of their popularity so there's no reason this should have been overlooked as much as it did but it got overlooked because it was a launch it was actually came out a year after the Xbox One launch so maybe it wasn't a launch oh the the graphics obviously were really good I would assume yeah the graphics are nice it's super fun and it's it's a great game like it's super fun to travel like you can grind on like on, on like monorail rails mm-hmm. and stuff so like you it makes traveling super fun you can like they give you points and stuff for how cool you can be to like jump across rooftops like right. by doing tricks and all this other stuff like there's a lot of a lot of character a lot of like care went into the design of this game and it just got shat on because or i shouldn't say it got shat on it just got because <laughs> the, the reviews for it dude they're all like nine eight out of ten it's like the lowest score is an eight is an 81 What's your thoughts on all those, um, like, retro, we're talking about retro games. What's your thoughts on the retro games being, like, super popular now? Aren't they all of a sudden, like, more popular than they've ever been almost? Um, I would say retro game fever. Yes and no. So, in terms of, like, the big collector's bubble, that yeah. burst a couple of years ago. Did it? But, like, right now, mm. sort of, it's, well, COVID really upped the prices. Like, most games for the GameCube right now are stupid expensive compared to what they used to be but Mm -hmm. um yeah the the retro game market has definitely become significantly more popular in the last 10 years yeah yeah so for those that don't know about your podcast still loading talk about your podcast man podcast is still loading podcast i talk about video games and shit like that like i do uh retro games modern games i do retrospectives i do interviews i've had like voice actors and composers on i do weird ideas like i did a episode where i had a bunch of friends come on and we did dramatic readings of video game manuals which was a lot of fun um stuff like that so i kind of cover i kind of i kind of look kind of like a grab bag of style of podcast where it's a little bit of everything um my most recent episode, I did my first ever Q&A. At the time of recording, my most recent episode, I did my first ever Q&A. This Sunday, I'm doing actually a GameCube Hidden Gems episode with the GameCube was cool podcast. So I had them on, and that's uh, coming out in a couple days. And yeah, so that's pretty much what I do. You can find on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at StillLivingPod on all of them. You can find the podcast itself on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts <laughs> and Spotify. And all the, all the podcasts, yeah. All right, Josh. Well, it's always it's always a pleasure having you on the show, man. Thank you so much for asking me to come back on. Uh, you've always been a super a big supporter of my show. All right, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. All right, man. Have a good night. Okay, there you have it. Another episode of Since Will Be Cynical in the books. Breaking news. We just passed 3,400 followers on Instagram. Please, please continue to support us on that application. We are at Sensibly Cynical Pod, Twitter at Cynical Sensibly, and you can check out our Facebook group. Also, if you could please... Subscribe, rate, 
and review us on iTunes. It would be absolutely incredible. Once again, I would like to thank Josh for coming on the podcast today. And as always, please stay safe, mask up, and this time, adios.